Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Mike Williams, the founder and president of Altius Financial. And I'm joined by my co-host and associate, Taylor McGowan, our senior wealth design specialist at Altius. Hi, everyone. So today we plan on diving into 529 plans, mostly education funding plans with a focus on the types, uses, and details of a 529 college savings plan. And just a quick reminder, this discussion and all of our podcasts are hopefully informative and useful for you, but we want to make sure that you are reaching out to your financial team if you have any specific investment or financial advice. If you are looking for a financial team, feel free to reach out to us, taylor at altiusfinancial.com, michael at altiusfinancial.com, or just our website, www.altiusfinancial.com. We do have lots of resources out there for you guys. Mike, what is a 529 plan? I mean, what, what does 529 even mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, we've talked about lots of different kinds of investment programs that are driven by the tax code. So 529 is just referencing part of the IRS tax code that's giving people incentives to save for college. Yeah. Oftentimes there's perceived problems that come up in the world this time, you know, uh, decades ago that college savings was becoming or college tuition and expenses associated with college were becoming too expensive and that people had to have some kind of incentives to save more to make sure their kid could go to college. And so Congress passed these laws that you know, basically created certain kinds of savings plans for college that were had tax advantages. And that's what we mean by a 529 plan, something that basically is set up by the Congress and, and through the IRS code that allows for certain contributions and certain tax deferral benefits to make sure you're being more efficient about trying to save for long-term college plans. Yeah. Well, and so I think a lot of people, and I know we're going to focus mostly on the savings plan side of things, but I, I don't think it's very common to hear about the fact that there is two types of the 529 plans. There is the prepaid tuition, and then there's the college savings plan. And so I just kind of want to break that out really quick and easy for people. So there is a prepaid tuition plan option. It's great if you're one of those kids that says, oh, my family all went to the same school. We all live in the same state. We've lived here for generations. I'm going to go to the same school. I'm going to stay in the same state. There's not a doubt in my mind. If I don't get in, I'm not going to college. Like if that, if that is your mindset, then it's worth weighing the two options. For most people who are hitting their late teens, there's a lot of things going on in your life and choosing one specific school or even one specific state is very hard to kind of do. And so looking at the college savings plan, you've got the flexibility of, okay, this can really be any place, any state, as long as it's an accredited university. Whereas the prepaid tuition plan, while it does cover that full tuition, assuming that you fully fund it, it limits you to that state. So for instance, I was mostly raised in Texas, had my parents set up an account in Texas, they would have been in a bit of trouble because they would have lost a considerable amount of that prepaid tuition plan to convert it over to Colorado. Because you didn't go to school in Texas. You came up to Colorado. I <laughs> yeah, I came to Colorado. Thankfully I left for all states. of us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I moved and it's quite frequent. All of your daughters went out of state as well. So Yeah. And that's another point to make about that. The prepaid tuition, like you said, kind of ties you into the state and the, the college savings plan gives a whole lot more flexibility. And all three of my girls have gone to school colleges out of state and it's been no problem using the funds we're using with the Colorado 
529 plan to fund their college that happens to be located in another state. Um, yeah. So that is the focus for most of what we want to talk about is this college savings plan, because it is, it is our preferred method of helping parents fund college and save for college. So what else, what else should we tell people who are listening about a 529 plan? Well, so be before we jump in more specifically into these 529 plans, I do want to make sure we note that, okay, there's two different types of 529 plans. And then once you get into the college savings plan, there's lots of different options for those. This isn't the only way you can save for college. There are plenty of other different methods of college savings. This is just what we're going to focus on today to not kind of overwhelm people. And since, like Mike said, this is what we do typically recommend to our clients as a best saving strategy. Do you want to mention some of those other ways or is that, do you think we should save that for a different show? Um, I think maybe we save it for a different one. I mean, I can list like the Coverdell, the education savings, the ESAs, the education IRAs. Um, you can just do an individual account. People do like money market accounts and save them for those. Yeah, you can use just a regular old uh, brokerage account for just like we might invest otherwise. But a number of the ones that you mentioned have sort of similar tax advantages or tax deferral advantages. They all have you know, little quirks by themselves, but um, that's good. I think it's good that we mentioned that there are some other ones out there and we can uh, in a future time contrast them. But again, we, we typically recommend, especially for younger age kids, but oftentimes not, using these 529 college savings accounts. And they basically consist of a state plan that's usually partnered with a mutual fund company or some other investment company that provides a number of different funding vehicles from very aggressive stock-based plans to stock and bond-based plans to bond-ish plans or even money market and more stable, secure accounts. And so they're like, in a sense, a... 401k for college education. I don't know if that's a good way in your mind yeah. of explaining them, but that's kind of what they are is, is being able to put money into a tax deferred plan that can be invested with a whole range of risk tolerance or risk levels as far as how much risk you're, you're trying to take and how much growth you might try to get from the, the actual investments. Yeah. And so before you're even deciding to fund this, or if you want one, I think it's helpful to know, okay, well, how do you know if, if the school you want to go to qualifies for 529 funds because you don't want to end up saving up a big chunk of savings for college and then find that, oh, I, I really can't use this for this purpose. In most cases, most public education, a lot of private education should be covered. If you're not sure if your school is covered that you're looking to go to, you just want to go to savingforcollege.com. They actually have a little thing where you can type in the state and the year and it will pull back out that data for you. But you can also ask the school. So one interesting thing about these savings plans is they've actually expanded quite a bit. So now people who are doing K through 12 private education can also utilize some of these funds towards those. And so in order to check that, you just maybe want to reach out to that school and say, hey, is this 529 eligible? Am I allowed to use these assets towards this tuition? Yeah, and usually people who can afford private education for K through 12 are already doing it. They maybe have a different motivation with regard to college. So that's a whole different discussion is, do you want to use a 529 for just the college since you have longer time period and more 
years to accumulate growth versus something that's maybe shorter term in terms of a child going to an elementary or, or middle or high school that's, that's got tuition as well. But, but like you said, you can use it. And there's a limitation in that regard. Uh, before college, it's $10,000 per year that you can use for such uh, tuition and expenses for K through 12. Yeah. So speaking of the expenses, do you want to maybe list out some of the different expenses that are qualified and covered with 529 plans? Yeah, I think that's a good a good point. The bulk of it's designed to cover tuition, room, and board. So the 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 most expensive part of going to college is typically the tuition, room, and board that you pay. But it also covers anything that's required by the college. So if if a college is requiring computer and internet services, uh, if they have any kind of equipment that they're requiring, lab equipment, and of course room and board, as we mentioned, if the student's enrolled at least half time, uh, a student has to be a half time student to be able to uh, use the 529 funds for room and board. They can actually also use it for studying abroad as long as it's billed through the college that they're going to right now. And this is pretty typical. In fact, uh, my daughter's um, had some study abroad type experiences and we made sure that, okay, that they were, we were going to be paying the colleges that they were going to, not some foreign school, even though they went to a foreign school for, for a semester or two, but that can work. And what's interesting now is you can even use it to pay back student loans. Again, it has a $10,000 per year limitation, but you can use a 529 plan to help a, a student pay back their student loans. Um, there can sometimes be costs of apprenticeships or, or those kinds of things, as long as, again, they're done through the college. And as we mentioned before, it's got to be an accredited institution. So Taylor, give the resource again where they can check and see what the, you know, whether it is going to qualify for using these funds. Yeah. So it's savingforcollege.com. It's a website that will direct you to basically a database that has those accredited universities and institutions listed. So then it's important to talk about things that don't qualify. And, you know, yeah. sometimes people talk about preparation for college and all the expenses that can go into that, such as fees for testing, the college preparatory tests that a person takes, either the actual fee for the test or the preparation for the test. Those are not qualifying. Any transportation or travel costs, so it, you, your kid may go to a school that's out of state and you think, well, you know, it's going to take a lot of either road trips or flying air, airline miles and so forth. That doesn't qualify. You can't use your 529 plan to pay for those kinds of travel expenses. You can't pay for health insurance. They can't pay for extracurricular activities such as a sorority or fraternity or intramural athletics or any club they might join. Those don't qualify. You can't use it to generate federal education tax credits, which is, that's a little specialized in terms of making sure we're, we're looking at a tax return for a parent and, the, and their child. But any expense that's not considered a required qualified expense by the university is not going to qualify, obviously. You kind of brush over the tax credit portion of that. And so it is important to note that any kind of benefit that you're getting from a tax credit purpose, you're not going to get double benefits. If you have those dollars and you're getting that discount on your taxes, then whatever is beyond that, that's what you can use for your 529s, essentially. So we've kind of ran through a bunch of information about the, the expenses, and I, and I mentioned room and board. 
one thing that happens is typically after a freshman year, a student may decide to live off campus. And so it comes up, well, can I use these 529 funds to pay for an apartment off of campus? And you can. What's interesting is that each school is required to have an off-campus equivalent that they will allow for purposes of a 529 plan funding. And those are published on their website. You can find that information to say, okay, this is the equivalent. Here's how much I can, here's how much I can pull out of my 529 to fund for room and board. They won't let your, you set your kid up for, you know, in a really expensive apartment or let you buy. I've had clients before ask if I could, they could use it to buy a rental property in the college town because their kid was going to be there occupying that rental property and, and that doesn't work. So it's got to, first of all, be you know, room and board that qualifies in terms of the amount that that particular college approves of and, and has qualified for. And then it can't be, like I said, for a rental property. Yeah. Well, so Mike, what happens when our clients come and they say, hey, we've been saving because my daughter or son had said, I'm going to college. I'm definitely going to do this. If not, I'm going to go to a trade school. I, I know for sure this is what I'm going to do. And then 18 rolls around and they say, no, nope, I don't want to do any of that. I'm going to be something else that doesn't require a degree. I've, I've got it figured out, but I don't need a degree anymore. What should we tell our listeners who are possibly going, oh gosh, well, I've been saving these assets. What, what do I do now? Yeah, that's a really good question. And we get that all the time, especially for uh, people who maybe have differences, opinions about what the value of a college degree is and, or how much of quote college material they think their kid is or how motivated their kid is in terms of the long-term planning for going to higher education. And there's a couple of different answers I'd give to that. First is it isn't just your traditional college. There are lots of vocational schools that are accredited and will accept and the IRS will allow you to use 529 funds for. So maybe your child isn't necessarily going to a liberal arts school or some, some four-year traditional higher education school, but they're going to go uh, become an airline mechanic or something like that. Those typically will qualify. If you're in that situation, you want to make sure you're still doing that kind of planning ahead of time. Okay, does this vocational education program that I'm wanting my child to go to or that they're wanting to go to, will they accept these funds and will it qualify? Uh, culinary schools, there's many different things like that that will accept funds. So if it isn't just a traditional school, you want to still think, okay, maybe I want to help my child in terms of pursuing a career that they're interested in and getting some additional training. But for that example that you're talking about where no, they're, they're going to graduate from high school, maybe or maybe not, um, and, and join the workforce. So what happens to my funds? I, I was saving for years and years and years, and they're now in this, quote, 529 lockbox, and I can't get them out. Well, you can get them out. The real tax advantage is tax deferral in the account. There's typically no federal income tax deduction. I'm kind of backing up to the tax benefits in answering this question, but there's no federal income tax deduction to put money in. So it's not like a 401k in that sense. You're not getting it off the top, but having the funds in the plan for a long time, there's no tax on the growth. And as long as you use it for an accredited institution, there's no tax on it coming out. But in this case where we're saying, well, I want to get my money out, but I'm not going to use it for education. I'm going to use it for something else. What happens? Well, you pay a 10% penalty on the growth, not on the contributions. So you don't lose any money on your principal, but you do pay a 10% penalty on the growth that comes out. And it is taxed at, at whatever the current income tax rate is. And for those of you who've listened to us before, 
you know that this kind of calculation is a little more complex because a person can get tax deferred growth in a, in a vehicle like this or an IRA or 401k, and you can, you can have it grow over time and compound at a higher, potentially a higher rate, and then still end up netting more even after taxes and a penalty if you have long enough. So that's one thing to keep in mind. So a person might say, well, I'm not sure if my child is going to college or not, but I, I have a number of years and I might want to start funding one of these. This is a reason to do it because you, even if the child doesn't go to college, if you have years, not just one or two years, but if you have say five or more years, there's a decent chance you'll still be better off even after paying a little bit of penalty and a little bit of taxes on the, on the program. Now, if you don't have any intention at all of ever using it for college education, then then perhaps it's not the best vehicle. Another really important point in this regard is you can change beneficiaries. So one of your children is not going to college and they're the ones you were maybe saving for, but you can now change the beneficiary to a younger child, younger sibling who might be going to college, or you can change it to a, to a different person entirely. You can change it to yourself and go back to school yourself and use these funds, or you can change it to a grandchild or uh, nieces and nephews. So there's a great deal of flexibility in being able to say, okay, I'm not going to use it for this purpose, this particular child, but I'm going to use it now for a different purpose. And, and you continue to control those funds. So that's another advantage of using a 529 plan for this purpose. Yeah. You did mention that there's no real discounted benefits for the tax strategy for federal government. But I think it is important to note that a lot of states do have a direct benefit for state tax deduction. So in most, and I'm not going to say all because I know it's not every state, but there is quite a handful of states that do have a tax deduction on the state income side. Right. And Colorado happens to be one of those. Um, and obviously, again, a person uh, wants to do a little research if they're outside of Colorado or in another state. That, again, depends on the state income tax rate. In Colorado, we have 4.63, I think, percent is the the Colorado income tax rate. And so a person gets you know, a relatively small deduction, but it still can add up if you're, if you're funding a plan like that. And there are states that have higher income tax rates that are deductible. And so that's one, you know, one of the things that a person needs to compare. And we can help someone strategize about you know, what's the best way to maximize the tax benefits versus the long-term education savings. Yeah. So now I'm kind of leaning towards next steps. So maybe you're listening to this and you're going, okay, that makes sense. I have a kid or I'm planning to have kids soon and we think maybe we should do this. So I think your first next step is, do I even need a 529 plan? Well, so do you have, are you planning to go to school? Do you have children planning to go to school? Grandchildren planning to go to school? Is there someone with a future potential need for these types of assets? It's kind of your first question. If you answered yes to any of that, then yeah, 529 plan could be a great option for you. Next, your question's probably, okay, well, how do I go about setting this up? If you're fortunate to have a financial advisor, we would kind of walk you through that process. But if you don't, you can go online, look at resources. It might be a little bit intimidating because as we said, initially, there are multiple different options. So I think in Colorado, there's what, five, five different yeah, I think plans. There's five different ways to go about getting into the 529 plan in Colorado. And, and they range anywhere from very do-it-yourself low cost funds, low cost, but do it yourself all online 
to something that's uh, very much hold your hands and walk you through it with a broker. We, we actually use the lowest cost because we do charge our clients an overall asset management fee. And so, but we internally are trying to make sure that the funds are as, as efficient as they can be. And so we use the direct portfolio and the, which means that it's the lowest cost to our clients. Yeah. Next, you're probably wondering, okay, well, how much should I put into this account? How much should I put into this account? And really how much can I put into this account? So the interesting thing is they do actually have maximums for these accounts. I think that's relatively recent because I don't believe that when I first was studying that they had any kind of maximum. I thought it was limited to basically gifting strategies. No, no, they've just... always they've always had it on the college savings fund. They always had a maximum amount you could do. Now those numbers have increased over the years. Yeah, and they've actually typically used one of the most expensive schools in that state to say, even private schools to say, here's what our maximum is. The legislature decides what their maximum amount is. And as one can imagine, the most expensive school in any state is going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. That's, that's what it typically is. And that's a side note. I don't know if you were going to go into this. I looked up a few of the different ones. And so like Colorado is half a million. And the reasoning behind this is if someone does have considerable wealth, one thing to consider about 529 plans is it pulls that money out of your state, out of your taxable estate. So it could essentially be like a state planning strategy to utilize these types of funds. And so that's why they're kind of limiting that for you. They're saying, no, 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 we don't want you using this as an estate planning tool. We want you using this as hopefully primarily a tax plan and savings plan for your college education for someone in your family. Absolutely. But that said, I would emphasize that they are a fantastic estate planning tool for people who have large estates, especially because there's a lot of noise right now by our Congress and our, our recently elected president of increasing taxes, increasing estate taxes, doing away with some tax breaks like the lower capital gains tax rate or step up in basis, which are all you know kind of language we use for issues about estate planning. But the key thing is with regard to a 529 plan is a person can establish one of these and fund it to the max. As Taylor said, in Colorado, half a million dollars, you can put a half a million dollars into this plan and have it entirely out of your estate for estate tax purposes, but still have complete control over it, which is a fairly unique vehicle. There aren't too many things out there where you actually have complete control. You determine who gets the money, how it gets distributed and spent, but it doesn't, if you pass away, it doesn't count in your overall estate for tax purposes. So it's, it is a big thing for people who, who have that kind of wealth and want to plan that way. And I, I know uh, some people who are using it that way wisely. Yeah. But from the perspective of, okay, well, what does this look like from annual contributions? One thing you do really want to note is that the most immediate concern is kind of the gift taxing issue. So if, if all of a sudden you put in 500K into an account for your kid, it would have gift tax consequences. So that would ultimately take out of your estate maximum that you can take when you pass. Otherwise you could do the maximum, which is 15 K per person per year. So assuming you're married, a spouse and a husband or husband, wife, 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 whatever combination of spousal contributions could give up to 30 K per child per year. One other interesting thing to make this a little bit more confusing for you guys is there's also a five-year rule. So you can actually contribute the five-year contribution in one year and then assume that it's taken over five years. So based on current tax law, you'd have 75K this year. I guess then you could even double that if you're married to one child and then have that 
assumed to be gifted over five years, which is just like a faster way to maximize your contributions into this account without having any kind of penalties. Absolutely. But what you're probably wondering is really how much do I need to put into the account, which that really gets down into time value of money questions, which is a great service that we provide <laughs> for clients. Shameless um, plug. Yeah. <laughs> but really you want to look at, okay, well, what is it going to cost to college? Am I inflating that? What is the actual inflation cost for college education? Because it's more than regular inflation. And then kind of project, okay, what does that look like from a spending perspective as well? So you, what you're saying is it depends. That's, that's highly dependent yeah. upon the goals, the institution or institutions that you're considering as far as where you would send your child to college, a number of different factors. Suffice it to say that college, higher education is damned expensive. And yeah. people, if they've got young children and they have that kind of intent that they want them to go to college, then this is a great vehicle for them. And like you said, we can do that kind of time value calculations to say, here's a good amount to be putting away every month to make it so that you're taking little bites at the elephant uh, every month rather than trying to panic, you know, when they're 17 years old and saying, oh my God, look at how much it's going to cost to send my kid to college. Yeah. Well, and, th and that's a good point as well. As you get closer to the time where the child is going to college or going to use these education dollars, that amount's going to be higher. So if you hadn't saved until someone's 17 or 18 and they're going to school when they're 18, it's going to be considerably more to save because you're catching up versus if you start when someone is four or five. That's one of the more important planning considerations is not just considering the cost of college now, but what it might be in terms of inflation. Now, higher education has been one category of what people spend money on as compared to food or gasoline or healthcare or whatever it might be. Higher education has been going up faster than virtually anything else in the world for the last 20 years with regard to inflation. So the costs have been going up rapidly and it does require lots of planning. My personal view is that's not going to continue, that the cost of education is kind of maybe not come down, but is going to get more competitive. I think partly because, and this is maybe my little uh, editorial comment, I think more and more parents are saying, you know, what's the trade-off? Am I getting good value for what I'm paying for? And there's a lot of higher education that's gone on in this country uh, that people are after the fact saying, well, did I really get a good value? And, and that's with the whole student loan saga that we're hearing people borrowed a lot of money and they can't earn enough to pay it back and so forth. That's a whole different debate or, or a whole different topic. But I do think the cost of education can't continue to go up at its, its rates and that it won't be as bad, but that doesn't mean a person shouldn't be planning for it. Uh, you, you really can get a good value and you really can do a lot for your child in terms of a leg up with education by planning for it in the future. Yeah, definitely. You know, we didn't talk about getting money out of it. We've talked about, okay, <laughs> putting money into it, but it's important for us to just talk a little bit about the mechanics of that. So let's assume that you, you've been doing this for maybe 18 years, uh, a, a child's birth or, or you know, got a, a 529 plan going and we're plugging away and putting regular savings every month. And now you have this big money ball in a 529 plan and lo and behold, you're, you're the uh, parent of a brand new high school graduate and they're headed off to college and they've done all their testing and they've selected the college that they wanted to go to. And, and here you go, well, okay, how do I get this money back? Um, there are a couple of different me methods. It's, it's, it's relatively easy. Most of our clients end up calling us because we're plugged into their, their 529 plan and we just 
end up sending them a check. There is a crucial couple of steps that people need to be aware of. The amount of money that you spend from a 529 has to equal what you're actually getting reimbursed for, for that calendar year. And this gets a little tricky when the schools come out and say, okay, let's say for a fall semester, they're giving you a bill in December for the following semester. And if you pay it that year, then you're getting ahead of the game. And that's not good. The IRS may audit you and say, wait, you prepaid this, or you paid a different amount than you had actually were billed for in that calendar year. So it's really crucial to make sure that the amount of money you spend is what was actually given to the college or educational institution for that calendar year. That's uh, an important thing to keep track of. The IRS doesn't audit all these. This is one of those things where they're doing it on the auditor system where you're expected to keep track of how much your expenses are and how much of it is coming out of the 529 plan. But you do want to make sure that you're tracking that so that you don't run into it in case you're audited. And as I said, a lot of our clients use us to help them track that a little bit. You can, with the Colorado plan, and I'm certain this is the case with other state plans, you can basically request it directly to you as the parent or participant of the plan. You can actually request it to go to the child, or you can request it go directly to the college. My preference is actually for control. And so I always want it to come to me as the parent, or and that's what we oftentimes advise our clients to do is have it come to the parent, make sure they're tracking it. I do think it's worthwhile once it comes to the parent to put it in the kid's account, into their own checking account. So they're spending the money. They're seeing how much it's costing. They're not insulated from that actual cost and their money transfers that are going on. When they're involved in that process, then they typically have more ownership in their education and they think of it, okay, I need to get the value out of this. I'm seeing the tens of thousands of dollars that are being spent on this. And you know, I better, I better be a serious student here and, and get something out of this. Yeah. But you have some options there and we, we coach people through that whole process. So I think the only other thing on my list for today is kind of just discussing, well, so how do you have this invested? I think Mike kind of did a great job at covering, okay, there's different types of 529 plans that you can get into. They're typically managed by specific brokerage companies. So they'll have those underlying, like it'll be Vanguard or it'll be Tia Cref or Prudential or one of those larger companies will have a list of funds that you can invest in. And then it's just a matter of kind of choosing that based on your risk tolerance and based on the situation. So maybe as you're getting closer to approaching needing to spend those funds, you want to maybe get a little bit more conservative, but definitely look into if you're wanting to hire an advisor, that's a service that an advisor can help you with as well. Absolutely. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground here. Thanks for listening to our podcast, everyone. We invite you to follow, like, share, friend us on Instagram and Facebook. All the platforms are saved as altiusfinancial.com or altiusfinancial, typed out as all one word. And you can see our logo on the profile picture for Instagram and Facebook. And as many of you already know, we have a 53-week financial challenge. We invite you to join us along and participate. This week's challenge is to check your interest rates. Is now a good time to revisit financing your home, refinancing your home, or maybe your car or college loans. Maybe you already have a great interest rate, and now is just a reminder of how long you have left on the term. So just a weekly reminder to check in with your finances. Make sure you're making regular progress. If you're interested in setting up a financial plan or have questions, comments, or thoughts on our program today or any of our episodes or anything in general, feel free to reach out to us directly. My name, once again, is Michael Williams, and my email address is michael at altiusfinancial.com. And you can reach Taylor, Taylor McGowan, and her email is taylor at altiusfinancial.com. Or you can check out our website, 
Thanks for joining us. Happy Friday and have a great week, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend.